Uh, thank you very much. Am I audible now? Very audible. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, my brother, for leading us. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for the praise and the worship. And thank you all members that are on for this evening fellowship. We give glory to the Lord. Um, let us pray as we begin. Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, we thank you. Thank you because we are here because of your grace and mercy. You have brought us to this platform, to this altar, this hour, because you want to speak to us. Father, we pray that that which you want us to hear is the only message that should come from my lips. Anoint me, Father, and help me to decrease that you will increase, Lord. And Father, we pray that the word that you'll speak to us will be like that, that seed that fell on fertile soil and germinated and was able to bear fruit, that your word will be able to bear fruit in us, that even as you reflect on the topic, the son given to take away condemnation, Lord, that Father, you will give us grace to understand the purpose why the son came, but also to know that we have been redeemed from sin and from the law and that the tongue of man no longer has power or authority to cast us, so that our Redeemer lives. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, my brother, my brother, my muko has already read to us the reading and the topic. He has introduced it to us very clearly. The son given to take away condemnation. And it's drawn from Romans chapter eight, verses 31 to 35, which has been clearly read. Uh, we shall keep on referring to verses from the text. When we look at our topic, we are going to examine it in bits. We have the son who has been given, but we also have the word condemnation. And according to our, to our heading today, the purpose of the son is because there is condemnation. I tried to look out for the meaning of the word condemnation, and this is what I got. It means it can mean an expression of disapproval. It can also mean to censure. Um, we've had uh, on the political scene when a minister commits an offense or a member of parliament, a motion is taken to parliament to censure that particular person. And when it goes through, it means that person either ceases to be a minister or ceases to be a member of parliament. So in other words, they are condemned, they are out of parliament or out of cabinet. But there is also this deeper one that caught my attention, that con to condemn can also mean to sentence someone to a particular punishment, especially death. And as I was preparing, my heart went to a story that has been running on social media about a woman whose name I will not mention, and I will not go into details, but I'll give us an overview of her story. This woman was arrested and taken to court for a crime she did not commit. 
But according to her, when she reached court, she was told that she had committed a crime called aggravated robbery. And without giving her much attention, the judge sentenced her to death. And she was taken to Luzira Maximum Security Prison. According to this woman's testimony, she says when you get to Luzira and you have been sentenced to death, there is a particular area which they call condemn. And so when, she, when you get to Luzira and you have been sentenced to death, this area is where you're taken. She tells us that they refer to it as condemn. And when they see you moving around, they say that one is on condemn. It means you have been sentenced to death. You're being kept in that particular area, waiting for your day to come when they will call out your name and take you and hang you. Because that's the commonest type of uh, death sentence within Uganda, they hang you. And so this woman gives her testimony and says, that word condemn, whenever she would hear that word, what would come to her mind was death. Because she had witnessed some people being killed when she was in prison. But she tells that she was there for 25 years. After 25 years, God worked out a miracle. And this woman was released. And so, friend, when they say the son came to take away our condemnation, the son coming to take away condemnation, it means a sentence has already been passed that we are guilty. And so we are waiting to be executed. But I want us to, before we look at the son and how he comes and how he takes away the condemnation, I want us to first look at the history of how this issue of condemnation comes. And also looking at this offense that we did, that we were condemned in that God had to send his son to come and take away this condemnation from us. Friends, this gives us a picture that we are all guilty, death-deserving sinners. I want to invite us to turn to the book of Genesis. Let us turn to the book of Genesis, and uh, particularly Genesis chapter 2. When God created man, all was well. He placed him in the Garden of Eden and gave him free food. Everything was free. Man did not have to labor to do anything while he was still in the Garden of Eden. But what happens one day? Man sins. And when man sins, God comes and passes on a sentence. There were three parties that were involved here. There was a snake, there was a man, and there was a woman. And each one of them was given an appropriate sentence according to what they had committed. We all know well that the woman was given a punishment that she will bear children, but it will come through labor, through 
pain. The snake was given a punishment. It will eat soil. There's creation of enmity between the descendants of, 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 of the woman and of the snake. And, and the, Bible, the, the Bible tells us in, in, in Genesis 2, verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust and all days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was the punishment of the snake. But the woman is also given a punishment. And what is that? I, in verse 16, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be your husband and he shall be ruler over you. But then man comes in with a tougher punishment that ends up with a sentence that leaves Adam condemned. What does God tell Adam? Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you saying you shall not eat of it, cast is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat from it and all the days of your life. Then in verse 19, he now passes on the judgment. He said, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return. I see Adam put in a place that this woman explains to us, a place of condemnation. He has already been condemned. He's just waiting for that final day when he returns to dust from which he was created. And so friends, it, the, the trend keeps on, keeps on and in the following chapter, we see the first murder committed when, when, uh, when Cain kills his brother. But then in chapter five, we see now a new era emerging. We see the multiplication of people on the surface of the earth. We look at Adam and his genealogy, the descendants of Adam, up to the man called Noah, a righteous man who knew the Lord. So between Adam and Noah, there are so many generations because we see people who lived for hundreds of years, 800 years, 700 years, so many of them listed here. But friends, still the trend continues. Man continues to sin against God. And in chapter six of the book of Genesis, we see again man sins. And again, God is passing another judgment onto man. In this particular passage, the Bible tells us, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God is getting more angry with man, and in verse 6 of chapter 6 of the book of Genesis, the Bible says, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. 
and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And so once again, we are seeing destruction. The other time man is chased out of the beautiful garden of Eden and is condemned. Again, now we see man is condemned and is actually killed. Only one man is, is left secure on earth. And that man is Noah because of his righteousness. And so that trend continued throughout the Old Testament, especially throughout the book of Genesis, friends. We look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed because of the sin that man was continually committing before the Lord. And so this judgment comes up, the, condemn, the condemnation comes up as the consequence of sin. And it emerges right away from the Garden of Eden. Praise the Lord. And even in the following chapters, friends, we still witness the same thing happening. And so as we, we, we get deeper into this book of Genesis, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 22, God shows us a glimpse of the future redeemer that will come. And this redeemer comes in the picture of Isaac. You remember when God told Abraham to go and sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Many times we have interpreted this scripture as God testing the faith of Abraham, and we have ended there. But deeper explanation, we get to know that this son that was taken to be sacrificed was not sacrificed. As Adam was about to sacrifice him, the Lord provided a lamb for sacrifice. So God shows us a glimpse of the future, that in future, Abraham, your descendants, I will not punish, I will not sacrifice, but I will offer a sacrificial lamb that will take away the sins that will be the final sacrifice. And this will be done once and for all. But throughout the book of, uh, uh, throughout the, the Pentateuch and, and, and in, the, in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, in the book of Kings, Samuels, and all those books, uh, we see the sin of man being atoned for by the blood of animals by the blood of animals, by the blood of gods, by the blood of sheep. And so time came when it was too much for God that man sinned unconsciously. After all, he knew after sinning, I will go and sacrifice. But in the book of Isaiah, <clears throat> chapter one, God gets fed up with the sacrifices that man was offering to him. We find this in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter one. God is disgusted with the sacrifices of man. And yet this was the only way out for man to be redeemed. It was the only way out for, for, for the condemnation to be taken away from man. 
But now again, we see God rejecting this, that he no longer needs it. He wants a pure heart. That's what God expected out of man. But this purity was not possible because the nature of man was to sin and sacrifice and the sins are atoned for by the blood of animals. And so in the book of, uh, still in the book of uh, Isaiah in chapter nine, we now see the clear prophecy of the son that would come to take away this condemnation. And so our text is a very rich text. It's a text that shows us the love that God has for us. That even when we have sinned, God has looked for us. He has looked for us, he has redeemed us, but now he wanted to make a greater sacrifice that no longer shall we need the blood of animals. No longer shall we need to go to sacrifice no longer shall we need to go to the priests and to special people to sacrifice on our behalf. He gives us his only begotten son to come and die for us sinners. He died in our place, friends. It is us that we're meant to die. It is us who are sinners. But him who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might receive freedom. And this freedom was received when Jesus Christ came and he took away the condemnation. Hallelujah. What a loving father. And so I want us to look at something here. I want us to look at how this son comes and how he takes away the condemnation. Our brother read for us clearly the reading in the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 35. But I'm going to dwell so much on verse 34. It says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us. Jesus's presence at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. I want to use an analogy of the human courts. Friends, if you commit an offense and you're taken to court, you'll be taken before a judge. And there will be a complainant. This complainant is the person who is accusing you. There is also the accused person who has to prove his innocence. And so if you're the accused person, you're usually told to bring a lawyer. And so you winning the case, proving that you're innocent, <clears throat> depends on how best your lawyer urges out this case <clears throat> before the judge. Friends, God is the supreme judge. And Jesus being there interceding for us, he is there as our counsel for defense. Jesus Christ is our counsel for defense. And glory to God that he's the only counsel 
that has never lost a case. And so when they said that son given to take away condemnation, it is this counsel, it is this lawyer, it is this intercessor that stands between us and God and says, Daddy, <clears throat> my son Julius has seen yes, but I am standing in his place. He knows me and I know him. But just because of this sin that he has committed, I am standing in his place. And Jesus tells his father, please forgive him. This is how Jesus takes away our condemnation. He is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Otherwise, friends, if the trend of the Old Testament continued, that we sin, then God destroys as he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We sin, then he comes and brings the floods and destroys. I do not know how many generations would have been destroyed because the reasons for which the other people were destroyed are the very reasons for which we could be destroyed today. These include immorality, perverseness, theft, robbery, telling lies, and so many of them. They are listed in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians. Galatians, you can find them there. There are so many, but glory be to God for the son. Glory be to God for this counsel, for this lawyer who never loses a case, who stands there for us, who pleads for our cause before the father and tells him, daddy, these are mine. These I have redeemed with my precious blood. And so in the book of Romans, in verse 35, they are asking, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What shall separate us from the love of this man who came and accepted to die in our place. And so this question bounces back for, to us to answer it. I know sometimes we go through terrible situations and we think that Jesus is not seeing. Sometimes we pray and fast and do everything and think that God is not listening to us. But friends, think of that scenario where you could have been condemned where you could not be existing, where you could not have the little that you have. And by the way, it's you who sees it as little, but it has been given to you by God. Can it be famine? No. Famine comes and goes. It was there during the days of Elijah. It came and it went three years of no famine. Can it be nakedness that we have no clothes? Can it be peril or sword, war or anything? What is it that can separate us from the love of a man who loved us so deeply and died for us? I do not know what you think, but I want to believe that there should never be anything that can even <clears throat> to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. A story is told 
of a sister in church who prayed so much to get a husband. And she prayed in secret. But when, after some time, she felt God was not answering. She tried, she went to church and testified and began praying that I've been praying for a man so many years. I'm growing old. I'm not seeing anyone coming. But please pray for me. So one day as she is praying in her room, enclosed there, a brother who had this sister testify in church gets a ladder. The, a, a long ladder and <clears throat> climbs it and goes on the ventilators of the room where this sister was praying from. But he said that this brother's, the, the, the brother's name was Patrick. And so Patrick waits when the sister is praying. He gets this ladder and goes to the window of the house and it deepens his voice as the voice of the Lord. And he says, sister, this is the Lord speaking. You shall marry brother Patrick. I have heard your cry. And so the sister did not taste the voice of the Lord. She got out of prayer, jubilating that her prayer had been answered. And then she goes and marries this particular brother. And the end was disastrous, was calamity. But you see, this sister had, was being separated from the love of God. She felt she had prayed long enough and the Lord had failed to answer. And so she comes out to pray in public, thinking that maybe the Lord will answer her. So friend, let the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. If we feel the Lord has not answered, if we feel the silence is too much, then God is in the process of answering. And so let us be patient. Let us not allow anything to come between us and this man who accepted to die in our place and take away the condemnation. We were supposed to be dead because we are guilty, but he came and took away the condemnation. As I draw to the towards the end, I just want us to, want to give us two examples where Jesus arrives at the scene and takes away the condemnation. We read the story of Barabbas, who was guilty, who was condemned, who had tried to organize a, a, a rebel group to overthrow a government. We see Barabbas being released <clears throat> and Jesus being taken to be crucified in the place <clears throat> of this criminal. Barabbas is set free. Jesus is condemned in the place of Barabbas, who deserved death. Look at the thief on the cross, already condemned, but Jesus still tells him today, you will be with me in paradise. He took away the condemnation. And even though the thief died, it did not count. He was in paradise with Jesus. Think of this woman who has been stoned for immorality and called a prostitute. And Jesus takes away her condemnation and asks her accusers and says, he who has not done it should be the first to cast a stone. And no one did it.
So friends, in your particular situation, no matter how tongues have spoken against you and condemned you and made you look useless, Jesus Christ will appear. And when he appears on the scene, he will take away that condemnation and you will live once again as a redeemed <clears throat> child of God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you once again for you accepted to die in our place. We sinners, guilty, condemned to death. But you who had no sin came and took up our place. You died and your death brought us life. We thank you so much. And even as we've been talking about this topic, the son given to take away condemnation, we thank you, our Father and our God, that you did not spare your begotten son, but you sent him to come and die and take away our sins. We thank you, Father. We pray that you give us grace, that nothing shall ever separate us from your love. Not even the best things, the best things that we desire for in this world. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate us from your love. We thank you, Father. We honor you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, uh, John. Thank you, Lord, for using your son to take us through and uh, he was very clear we thank you for this very time and the the message he has brought to us refresh him as he refreshed us bless him bless his family and all that concerns him. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, once again, thank you for being on. And the, this topic, I read even earlier, I do sort of like a bit common. I have even a, a cross that I, I, I bought abroad, I was away, and I, I found a, a, a cross and it's written on who can separate us from God's love. I have it. Romans 8, 31. So what came vividly that I want us to do together is to thank God for the son, for this son who came to take away condemnation. He first gave us the background when you're taken to Ruzira, that section of condemnation. 
because God was so merciful, God was so gracious, he sent us, he gave us this very own son, the one and only, to take away this. So I want us to lift our voices and thank God for this son who came to take away this condemnation of death from us. Let us raise our voices and thank God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for your son who came to take away shame, who came to take away death, that condemnation that the evil one started early way back. But because you are so faithful, you are so merciful, you just bailed us out from this condemnation. And as we are soon drawing, these are the series that we are in trying to, by your help of the Holy Spirit, telling us how gracious you are. We pray, I pray, that as we come to this time, we will not do much of celebrating, but we will just search our hearts and make sure that we put right to know that really the son came to take our condemnation. And it's my prayer, and it should be everyone's prayer that we will not be left, that no one will be left. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. John tried to, he really labored to explain to us the role of this son. After we've shared and thanked God for him giving us this son. But he tried to explain to us the role of this son, what he does. He brought it down to our daily life. He talked of councils, we call them council. These are lawyers that pleads our cases, that plead before us. The judges who do and plead and standing in our gaps. There is a common saying that uh, you cannot stand in the gap when you yourself have gaps. And the reason why the son came, why God gave us the son, was these gaps. And why he was the only atonement, he was because he had no gaps then he was able to stand in our issues 
to take away the condemnation. So we, this, in our, in my language, you'd hear people call them pleaders. They read it as a vernacular word, but a pleader is someone who really pleads on your behalf. So we thank God for this, that Jesus came to take away condemnation. Because he's faithful, he's without injustice, he's perfect. And uh, I've just remembered a song ascribe greatness to, to our God, the rock, his greatness, that his work is perfect. The son, his work is perfect. He pleaded our case. He took away all the condemnation. His ways are just. He's without injustice. He's good and he's upright. And this is the sign. So we thank the Lord as we come close at this time when we remember why the sun came. Our prayer, my prayer should be that we'll experience this more and more as the Lord still keeps us on this land of the living. Let's continue to abide in him. Let's continue to know what he has come to do and be able to walk this journey with him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen.